It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Well, the All Blacks are four from four this year and they have, what some are saying, a bit of a scary game. Not so much about the result against South Africa, but potential injuries or suspensions. And this is going to be a very, very keenly fought affair between wonderful rivals in the All Blacks and the Springboks. And to talk through that and other rugby things, Sky Sports' Tony Johnson, as he always does, joins us on a Thursday. TJ, I'm a little bit worried about this game. Yeah, me too. Uh, and part of me is thinking, you know, whose bright idea was this? You know, you're within the, the last, you know, days before the World Cup and you take on your greatest rival, your most brutal rival, your most physical rivalry in a warm-up game and you put your first choice, or almost a first choice team out there. Um, I, I, look, I can understand why he wanted to do this because otherwise, you know, they'll go into that France game and there'll be players there who haven't played in five weeks. So they've got to do that. I kind of almost wish this was one of those games where they'd been allowed to name 15 on the subs bench and changed everyone over at half time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it has an importance uh, and obviously uh, financially for both unions at a time when they need the cash. There's, there's that side of it at all. I'd feel a lot more comfortable if they were playing, I don't know, Scotland or Uruguay or someone like that. Um, but that's just that usual pre uh, World Cup nerves that we're all afflicted with every four years, Staffy. Yeah, 82,000 at Twickenham. It's going to be a heck of an atmosphere, and I imagine every expat that lives in the UK has tried to get tickets to this one. Um, were there surprises for you in his team selection? Uh, not really surprises for me, but talking points. Dan Coles gets the start and, and his make-up of the bench as well. Well, part of the reason for Dane Coles getting the start is that uh, Cody Taylor's got an injury. And I think it just seems to be with, with Cody Taylor, who had a bit of a rough year last year, he, he's come back into form this year big time. And he's clearly their number one starting hooker. Tolki Aho, definitely they want to use him off the bench. And so I suppose it's a natural swap there. And uh, Coles, he's never a dull moment when he's playing. I, I quite like the idea of him uh, getting amongst it with it certainly means that there'll be a bit of a needle factor there so no not really I, I think it probably says to us that uh, Luke Jacobson has got the front uh, running to start in place of Shannon Frizzell um, I, I do think the Frizzell injury just underlines what I believe was a, a huge and unnecessary risk in only taking the, the number of loose forwards that they have across to the World Cup but I suppose you think about it your next opponent after this is France and they are big and they are tough, like South Africa, and they've got brilliant backs. Uh, and so in some ways, if, if you just sort of asked everyone to, to, to maybe only give 90% of this game, it would, be all, it would be all right. And of course, that's never going to happen with New Zealand and South Africa. So I guess, look, it's just fingers crossed that they get through without any injuries. And if they can do that, then it becomes, well, perhaps the perfect build-up game. But only we can only judge that in hindsight. 
Yeah, and I think we might see quite a few earlier changes from the bench with so many forwards on there um, with both Va'i and Josh Lord and Dalton Papali'i they're probably going to get at least 25 minutes each. Yeah that all makes sense um, having a, a stronger forward guard because you, you do want to protect your forward workloads and, and you know obviously they're in the, the heat of the battle particularly when you're playing the Springbok side. I don't see any great risk in doing that and it'll be an opportunity too for, for Lord and um, to, to get out and, and just show their stuff as well. And, you know, to Mikey Williams, another test, a taste of test rugby for him uh, after his, you know, brief introduction earlier on this year. So, yeah, look, as, as I say, if they can come through this without any injuries, uh, then, then it's probably going to be very worthwhile. Um, we've seen some interesting um, developments or what do we call them, sentences handed out by um, the world rugby officials on both uh, Farrell and now Vernie Polar. And Steve Devine made a really good point this morning that Angus Tavell got eight weeks for a head clash last year, which was accidental, unsighted, unseen, um, got eight weeks and a tackling lesson or tackling school or something. And Vernie Polar, who was brutal, gets three. Yeah, well, maybe that just shows you where the influence still is in world rugby. It's an, it's it's just a farce, the whole thing. And and you know, in a way though, um, this situation, uh, particularly with Farrell, has come about because he, once again we had a very weak sentence handed down by what was essentially a Sanzar judiciary, three Australians, and I've, you know, been banging on about this for two years that if we really want to stop people from tackling dangerously, then we've got to throw the book at them, not making up excuses to take a week off here, a week off there. Entry level six weeks, they end up you know, doing two because they watch a video on how to tackle safely. Well, Alan Farrell watched that video too. He clearly had no effect. The more I look at that, the more I think the, the, the original decision by that judiciary was an absolute blinding joke. Mm. And then, of course, you know, they go to world rugby and, well, they don't want to be seen to be sort of going too far the other way. So they come down with this mid-range sentence and, for goodness sake, they give him a week off for remorse. He would be the most remorseless player in rugby because if he, if he did have any remorse, he wouldn't keep doing it. So it's preposterous, the whole thing. And, and then, you know, when you compare the sentences handed out to the two English players compared to some of the other ones that they've handed out in recent times... Well, it's a wonder why people still look at world rugby and go, you know, in, in our part of the world and go, yeah, well, we know who's buttering your bread. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation, I think maybe too much conversation made around the um, Steve Hansen having a cup of tea and having a look at a couple of trainings of the Wallabies with his mate Eddie Jones. Um, the only thing is that. Steve Hansen was quite forthright in his criticism of Graham Henry going to Argentina, Gordon Titchens wanting to use players at Rio. Um, what was your take on this? Yeah, well, the first thing that came up to me uh, in my mind was, well, you know, this has happened before, and yeah, we we saw it happen with Graham Henry. Uh, this, this initially felt a bit different until you sort of got the full facts of the matter, and I think again we have a situation where we're presented with some of the facts. Uh, the media goes whole hog on it. Um, obviously blindsided Dane Coles. Uh, and I, I got the feeling that he thought that, um, that maybe Steve Hansen had actually gone to the Aussie camp for the whole World Cup. Mm. Because uh, that was, you know, some of the headlines, and, and we know what it's all about. It's all about clicks and what have you. 
uh, were designed to make people think that Hansen had gone on full-time when, in fact, he was just spending a couple of days with them ahead of uh, this match that they've got coming up, their final warm-up game, and he's doing it as a favour for his old mate. He must be Eddie Jones' only friend. Um, that, that, that's another little accolade for Steve Hansen. Uh, Knight of the Realm, you know, World Cup winning coach, friend of Eddie Jones. That's, that's a unique treble, that one. Um, but, but, yeah, in the end, it's, it's, it's not quite as, uh, as dramatic as it was all made out to be. Having said that, Staffy, I still don't think it's a great look. And, yes, I think there is a, just an element of, uh, uh, I won't use the H word, but something pretty close to it. I'm, I'm very carefully tiptoeing towards asking you about the Ramfurly Shield Tasman, uh, the opportunity they had last night that uh, ultimately wasn't taken. Yeah, um, well, I've I, I got to say, I, d- I did watch that one with my, my Tasman hat on, sort of thinking how good it would be for them to, to, to um, win the Ramfurly Shield. But you know what, mate? Uh, firstly, you know, hats off, um, and I did take my hat off in the end, uh, to Wellington because uh, they just showed how much it meant to them. It was an awful game. It was it was pretty ugly stuff. Um, it was a lot of bash and crash played in front of another dismal midweek crowd. It didn't really. It, it was. It should have been played at, a, at the weekend, probably an afternoon game, uh, and and maybe it would have got a better crowd. It, it, it was a deserved more than what it got. Um, but in the end, Wellington, would, to me, they just showed this stubborn desire to hang on to the shield. They tackled everything. They got up off the line really quickly, uh, eliminated the threats, uh, particularly the likes of Almour. He made a couple of good runs, but by and large, they, they kept them in check pretty well. Um, and, and in the end, in the balance of play, they deserved it. They got one great opportunity and they took it, Tasman blew a couple of kicks at goal, got close to the line, didn't take it, dropped the ball too many times. Wasn't a good performance by Tasman. A lot of us were thinking, well, they fired duds um, against Northland because they had the shield game in the back of their mind. Uh, I, I just think with Tasman at the moment, um, and of course other teams are missing their All Blacks too, but they've had uh, you know half a dozen recent elevations to the All Blacks a couple uh, that are playing, you know, likes of Viriki Devet who's playing for uh, Fiji, uh, uh, William Harvili, uh, you know, they, they've lost quite a lot of players in the, in the space of the last couple of seasons and they're just not quite at that level uh, at the moment. But having said that, I, I just think Wellington uh, absolutely deserved it just for the ferocious commitment that they showed to, to, to keeping the shield. Yeah, I think the the one bright light from that game for me last night was Peter Lakai. Gosh, he he's got so much upside, that young man. He has, uh, but also, to, to me, again, a, a couple of other guys in that forward pack, I think Sangster's one, um, and also a Duplessis Kadifi. He just, you know, every single time, he, he brings it, doesn't he? And I, but as I say, it was to me, it was just this collective uh, urge, this desire not to let this thing... They probably would have felt that, um, you know, even on their own patch, people were seeing them as the seeing them as the underdogs, and that that sort of character bodes well for them because that's the sort of thing that keeps the shield in town. To say it's just weren't more pretty, there weren't more people there to appreciate it. Yeah, I'm with you, TJ. Well, she's a big old weekend. All Black South Africa, I think, even more than the score on the board at the end of the the game. It's about the emergency ward being empty at the end of the game. That's yeah. our, that's my big hope. Yeah, yeah, same. I mean, it's to me, it's. It's a risk 
and whether it's a risk worth taking, we won't know until our, you know the game the game is finished. And it, I don't think the result's all that important. Uh, I, I'm sure both teams would very much like to catapult into the World Cup with a win. Um, but, but as I say, let's just wait. I'll, I'll, I'll know more how I feel about this game at about, what, uh, half past nine on Saturday morning? Yeah, I'll be the same. TJ, as always, love our Thursday chats. Hello, mate. Yes, buddy. Uh, TJ, on fire today. Had me giggling all the way through. It was a great yarn with TJ. Yeah, it's, um, it's entertaining. If there wasn't a World Cup just around the corner, I wouldn't be as worried. Like, And I'm not going to name names because I'll be, I'll be jinxed, but there's some players in there. I'll just be sitting there, crucial players for our World Cup campaign. I'll be sitting there with fingers crossed. We've got a lot of cover. We've got a lot of cover, but from our top team... If we lost a couple of players from our top team, and I am thinking of one in particular, which I won't say because then I'll be blamed, there's some I just do not want to lose for this World Cup campaign. And South Africa wouldn't mind if a couple of ours were ruled out of the World Cup either. <sighs> Watch out late hits. Watch out behind the referee's back. Oh, I don't want to tempt fate. Uh, we'll take some new sport and weather with the great man, John McNeil.